Hey guys, it's Nathan. This is episode 60 of the Nathan Seawood Show. The Nathan Seawood Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life. And welcome. I hope you guys are having a great week. Great to see you. Yeah, I'm just in uh, Montreal for a few days. I've just been fishing up in northeastern Quebec for the last few days, which has been amazing. Turned the phone off, completely disconnected and uh, refreshed and feeling really good. Uh, Heading to New York this week. And uh, yeah, as I said last week, I've got uh, a couple more slots there for coaching available. So offering full day intensives for the time that I'm there. So if you're interested in that, drop me a message. And also, you would have seen, if you've been following me the last couple of weeks, I've just launched the Limitless Entrepreneur Adventure Series, which is initially taking place in the Greek islands on August 4th. So we have uh, a sailing trip there that's going to be amazing. We've filled a bunch of the slots already. And yeah, there's a few more slots to go, which is super exciting. If you're interested in that, again, give me a message and we'll get you uh, on a call to see if you'd be a fit. It's going to be one week on August 4th and we're going to go all around the Greek islands. There's going to be six other entrepreneurs on the boat with us. We're going to be having a bunch of fun, learning to sail, going from island to island, cooking together on the boat and then yeah, doing a lot of really cool coaching exercises during the week as well. So if you're looking to grow yourself, if you're looking to grow your business whilst having a lot of uh, Instagrammable moments as well, then uh, that might be for you. So again, drop me a message if you're interested in that. Yeah, and just excited to be here with Jackie and Justin. If you're uh, just tuning in, uh, I would love it if you could share this around before we get started. Leave us some comments. It's always much more fun when we have uh, comments can interact during the show. So feel free to leave any comments as we go. That's it, really. I'd just like to welcome Justin and Jackie. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Thanks for having us, David. Yeah. Yeah, great to see you guys. I did a sailing trip in the Greek islands a couple years ago, and it's magical. So, How was it? Give us a little pitch for the people. I mean, just crystal clear water, and, you know, the water is like a a bath. It's just the perfect temperature. The sunsets are uh, just phenomenal, golden, giant, beautiful sky and uh just scooting around on the islands is so fun and all the saganaki and the greek food is just to die for so oh, i didn't even think about the greek food that's going to be another bonus it's so fun yeah 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 super excited i did a sailing trip in the virgin islands last month and now i'm obsessed with sailing so now i'm trying to get as many people as possible into sailing <laughs> Yeah, any excuse I can get on the boat. Absolutely. Uh, you guys are in Santa Barbara right now? We are. Yeah, yeah I came up there uh, about five years ago. I did the PCH with a friend. We went from LA all the way up to San Francisco, had a night in Santa Barbara. I just me- remember it being the most beautiful, magical place. I can see why you moved there. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. special. I was actually on a boat yesterday and whale watching and saw hundreds of dolphins and we saw 12 blue whales and 10 humpback whales and it's like wow I get to live here this is you know everyone else on the boat was from another country and, and visiting and I was like yeah I, I get to live here in this part yeah, this is home yeah yeah very cool yeah have a look at uh, Jackie's Instagram because I was following you there yesterday and it was just dolphins whales <laughs> epic photos Pacific creatures 
So good. Yeah, very cool. So uh, thanks for coming on. This month on the show, we've been focusing loosely around the concept of uh, how you can bring more adventure, how you can bring more excitement to your life, to your business, and how that can actually be a, a huge benefit to your life and business. And a big part of that is what you guys do, which is uh, using the concept of flow, one of the concepts that you use, and using flow to improve your life, raise your consciousness, and, and thus your mission to raise the consciousness on the planet. But can you give us uh, a bit of an overview of how you view flow? And I guess in consciousness as well. Sure. What is consciousness? We'll just go <laughs> right for the juggler straight into it. Um, yeah, simple. First question, what is consciousness? Go. Consciousness in the nature of reality. Cool. No, no yeah. one else has really nailed it yet. So go yeah. ahead. Take it away, Justin. We can yeah. get it today on this Facebook yeah. Live. So, yeah, so flow, you know, there's a lot of different definitions of what flow is. It's kind of coming into the collective as, as a a hot topic right now and something that people are interested in. And it's, you know, we see it really as kind of the next step in our evolution as a species. And it's like a, a new stage of development that we all have the capacity to enter into. And um, we all let Jackie talk about, you know, the differences between what we teach and some other types of flow, but how I like to describe how we teach flow is that it's a new operating system for our consciousness that allows us to live in a more limitless reality and experience more effortlessness and flow and really be able to, you know, thrive on every level. And that's available to everybody too. It's not just for people that, you know, are living in a certain place or from a certain country or whatever, or have a degree or don't have a degree or whatever. It's literally something that's accessible to everybody. And by kind of living by the maxims and going through the process of reprogramming yourself to live in this, this new operating system, you're able to experience that kind of reality. And it's also, too, we were having some really deep conversations about this a week or two ago, you know, there's no loss of individuality. It's really about you being you to the fullest extent that you can be, right? Living into your full potential, really giving the gifts that you have to give to the world and thriving as a result of that. So it's really about deep self-expression and the, you know, uh, the operating system is universal. So it doesn't require you to, to change who you are. It really is just kind of like a compass that you get that leads you into flow wherever you are. You know, the compass will we show you where north is or south or east or west it's like a compass telling you okay move over here two steps to the left or right that'll bring you into more flow in any moment so right so you, you see it like a, a new operating system an operating system for a, a new world a new level of consciousness yeah yeah and essentially the way we talk about it is different than flow states which a lot of other people are talking about which are really kind of temporary states of peak performance or non-ordinary states of consciousness but they're just that, they're, they're temporary. What we're talking about is more of a way of being. This is really your natural state. So beneath all of the layers of programming and conditioning that we have from our culture, from the media, from you know, epigenetics shows that you know, these beliefs and uh, trauma patterns that we have can be passed down for up to 14 generations. So all of this is conditioning us you know, with a lot of lack, limitation, scarcity, and, and keeping us in unnecessary struggle and suffering. So flow consciousness is really unraveling all of that, peeling that back so you get to tap into that place of pure potential. Mm. Oh, I love it. That's exciting. There's a, a couple of comments coming in already. Firstly, from uh, Peter. Hi, Peter. And uh, Monique also there saying, love you, Jax. So happy you and Justin are sharing flow. Yes, um, love is, you too, Monique. 
Very cool. Uh, Peter's got a question there. Peter, I'll come back to your question uh, shortly because uh, I just wanted to give you a little taster, just a little tantalizing taster of what these guys are all about. But before we dive in a little deeper, how did you, how do you end up becoming a flow consciousness expert? What leads you to living in Santa Barbara and forming the Flow Consciousness uh, Institute, Jackie? Like, how did you get to this place? Yeah, for me, it was a, a long, twisty, windy road. Uh, it's not something that I ever imagined I'd be doing with my life. And really, I guess a critical point in my life was the death of my brother in 2009, which was really a huge catalyst for me. And uh, at that point, I'd done a lot of inner work already and a lot of my own healing and integration. But that was really uh, a big wake-up call for me and a catalyst for my, my own awakening and led me on a hero's journey where I left my life as I knew it. I was a, an autism specialist in New York at a thriving private practice. And, you know, I, I just thought if I were truly living life for me and not giving, giving, giving to everyone else, what would I be doing? And I realized I'd always wanted to do kind of what you're doing and uh, travel around the world. And I, you know, I had all of the reasons why I couldn't at that point, you know, I had a mortgage, I had a thriving practice, I had kids that needed me, I had all of these reasons why I couldn't live my dream. Then four months later, I walked away from my life as I knew it, I packed one bag and got rid of all the rest of my things. And I embarked on a solo journey around the world. And that really was my training ground for learning to live in flow. Because before that, I was a complete type A control freak and really learned on my travels to live moment to moment and to let go of control and learn to surrender. And I really had to tune into my intuition to keep me safe. Um, really got to know myself on a super deep level. And on that journey, in preparation to climb Kilimanjaro, in 2010, I ended up at a retreat in Australia that completely changed my life. And, uh, you know, a bunch of radical mindset shifts and mindfulness and all of these different things that I learned that are now a lot of the foundation for, for what we teach. And so it, it really just kind of was this process of my own self-healing exploration that led me around the world to all of these different mentors and teachers, um, how I ended up in Santa Barbara. Well, in 2015, I was again, you know, I didn't have a home for a few years. I was just traveling the world and I was driving up the coast of California for the first time. And Justin and I had connected once on a phone call when his clients said we needed to know each other because we were both teaching about flow. And we got on a call and it was like, whoa, this is weird. Like, how do you know this stuff? Where did this come from? We need to meet. And when I was driving through Santa Barbara, I was like, hey, we should get together. But then when I got here, I was in so much pain that I ended up in the hospital. And I had a, a freak abdominal infection and I was hospitalized for five days, which is the exact thing that needed to happen. Because as a nomad, I would have just, you know, kind of met Justin for lunch and then kept going. And who knows, it would have been one of those sliding doors moments, like where would our lives be? But no, I was strapped to a hospital bed and he came to visit. I really appreciated you sharing your journey because uh, talking about adventure, traveling the world or doing, you know, what I'm doing, this nomadic, nomadic experience, this, the, the, the alchemist, you know, following your personal legend. Well, it's such a, a good way of helping to find 
yourself, so to speak. Yeah, and so many of the the greatest moments of my travels have been unplanned. And, you know, just meeting someone and deciding to travel with them for two weeks just on a whim. Uh, mm. you know, when you make plans, it's really hard to go back and then change everything. So I've just adapted and really learned to live in the moment, which made a lot of other people uncomfortable because they would ask me, you know, where are you going to stay tonight? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, I'll figure it out and I'm sure something will work out. And then I end up on a yacht or, you know, in a castle or something. Or and, an alley, or, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Not always fancy. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, day-to-day life can be so routine or the goal is to make it routine or make it comfortable, whereas travel takes all those options away. You, you're not in the same bed. You don't have the same comforts. And so I guess in a way it's easier to sort of stay in flow uh, than it is maybe in a more routine day-to-day existence. Yes and no. I mean, there's definitely more opportunities when you're when you're traveling, but um, flow is not necessarily quitting your job and traveling around the world. That's definitely one version of it that I've yeah. taken in. But it's also, you know, I get so much joy just pruning my my plants and you know playing with uh, the, the flowers in the garden. And sometimes it's really just the simple things. It doesn't have to be you know, this incredible adventure, um, mm. really what's the most exciting thing for you in each moment. And sometimes that looks like that for me anyway. I love it when she vacuums it. We're not in a yeah. relationship, by the way. Either. Yeah, just, li- just let's make that clear. We, we live in the same house with business partners. So, but it's awesome when she vacuums it. <laughs> Important um, note. Uh, Jackie, you're, uh, I'm sorry to hear about your brother. I, I didn't know that, that part of your story, but as you reflect back on it now, what have you learned from his passing? Yeah. Um, you know, death can be an incredible teacher and, you know, it was the worst thing that I've ever experienced and had to go through the definitely the most traumatic thing I've ever experienced. But now, you know, I see the gift in it. And Mm -hmm. at that point in my life, I, I, I was living an amazing life, but it was also, on the path to burnout and just working so much and giving so much to others and not putting my needs first. And, you know, that led to a chronic autoimmune condition, really just Hmm. not honoring myself in favor of caretaking others. And so realizing, you know, I was kind of faced with my own mortality and, you know, we just kind of assume that we're going to live, you know, I think I'm going to live to 146 uh, but who knows? Who knows what's actually going to happen? At least 132. At least, right? So it, it was really that wake up. And, you know, the goal is not to have to have death or sickness or uh, tragedy be that wake up call to really get people to live full out and really enjoy every moment of their lives. Because too many people are, you know, waiting till they retire to take their dream vacation or you know, waiting until they're in a relationship or wait, you know, there's always something that they're waiting for in order to do the thing that they really want to do. And sometimes we don't have that time that we think we have. So I think that was really the the lesson for me is to really live full out for, for each moment. Yeah. So in that regard, an incredible lesson, obviously a, a tragedy, but also you made the most of, of the lesson. 
I think, uh, you know, one of my goals is to talk more about death because I think in Western society it's kind of taboo or it's dark or it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not something we like to dwell on. But, uh, you know, we had uh, James Butler's uh, fiance Leanne, was on the show a couple of weeks ago and, and just really diving into her journey since he passed away and how, you know, she came to realize that everything uh, has a time limit on it, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a life, and we forget that, like you say. Not only do we think we're going to live to 136, 134, we also think relationships will last forever or, you know, the thing will last forever. We'll have the thing forever. And that actually what she discovered through death is that's what gives love real meaning. You know, when you can truly understand finality and death and that all things end, then you can love fully. Yeah. And I think, also this piece around um, that things should be a certain way, right? And uh, just letting go of exactly what you're saying, that this idea, this belief that relationships have to be till death do us part, that's that's just programming. Where does that come from? Or that, you know, children need to outlive their parents or whatever it is, we have this idea that things should look a certain way. And then when they don't, that's when we encounter suffering and struggle. Yeah, beautifully put. That I, you know, I catch myself there even thinking, yeah, you know, the death of a child before a parent, it's the ultimate tragedy and all those things. But yeah, it is just a belief at the end of the day that that's how it should be. And that if it happens the wrong way, that that's a tragedy. And uh, Justin, what about you? What, what led you to, to meeting Jackie when she was having appendix problems? Um, well... So many different points in which you could start. I'm kind of joking to myself. It's like, well, my parents met, you know, back in the '60s or whatever. <laughs> what about your grandparents? Both yeah, sides. I know. I'm just, I completely ignore my grandparents. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think like, what's the best entry point? I'll tell my story up until I met Jackie because she kind of summed it up like how what happened since we met to some degree. So basically, I think I think the most appropriate entry point is kind of like when when I woke up to the the level of reality that can even allow me to eventually discover flow and then how I got there. And when I was, for, for most of my teenage years, I was kind of not eating super well. I wasn't really, you know, taking care of my body or living healthily. And, you know, I had all these wounds that I had picked up when I was a little kid. Most, most people have different traumatic things that happened to them. And so a lot of my, my core wounding was around self-expression. And so that led me to try and want to fit in. And that didn't work out so well, especially because like, I'm kind of just like a rebel anyways. And so <laughs> trying to force somebody like that into a box is a recipe for disaster. So then he had a mohawk. Yeah, yeah, I had a mohawk. You wow. know, I was an anarchist. I was you know, ra- raging against the machine, not the band, but literally like, you know, I was like really passionate activist and stuff. But I was really, you know, angry and kind of mad at the system that I saw as really broken. And that combined with like, eating well and then, getting into drugs all led me to this place where I got to this point where I was really depressed and unhappy. And um, I was genuinely trying to like be happy, but just going about it in all the wrong ways. And it got to the point where I was like, you know, I was at my wit's end feeling suicidal, like really frustrated, just like not happy with my life. And through a series of really um, kind of incredible synchronicities or some might even call it grace or whatever, or maybe it was my genuine desire to actually be well. A commitment to that. Um, I came into uh, a number of things that helped me kind of wake up and snap out of that and realize that I should be eating well, I should be taking care of my body, and that 
I probably was feeling depressed because I wasn't eating organic food and that, you know, I wasn't meditating. I wasn't doing yoga. I wasn't like moving my body in ways that were healthier, constructive. And so I kind of went through this hyper rapid three week transformation where I went from like, you know, eating McDonald's every chance I could get and totally uh, depressed to literally having like waves of bliss roll over my body and eating all organic food and, you know, drinking juice every day and meditating for an hour a day and literally like practicing mindfulness 24 seven and being in these non-dual states. And I literally like was, I, at the time, I like to think that I was like floating like an inch off the ground or something. And so that kind of showed me very quickly. And this was after years of being on antidepressants and all kinds of stuff like that, that, you know, there was something really special in this direction of like focusing on my personal development, my spiritual development, really taking care of myself, diving deeper into understanding consciousness. And so that sent me, it was like a huge slingshot that sent me on this journey to really like, you know, drink all I could from that fire hose. And so I spent the next six years just doing everything I could, learning everything I could about, you know, personal growth, health and wellness, you know, meditation, all these different things. And so that put me in a place that when I graduated university, I went to UCSB uh, in Santa Barbara. I grew up about an hour south of here. So after I graduated from UCSB, I kind of had another series of somewhat mystical events when the student was ready, the teacher arrives kind of, kind of experiences where uh, I was working at a health food store as like a, a, an urban supplement specialist because I taught myself so much about nutrition and wellness and stuff that that's what I was doing at that time. And a man came in really late at night and he needed some uh, supplement for one of his friends. And um, he came over and he started talking to me and he uh, was like, who are you? You know, he just like noticed something that was different about me. I was wearing the Vibram five finger shoes when they first came out at the time. So it may have been that. But anyways, we started talking and we got into this really deep uh, conversation about the nature of reality and consciousness and all this stuff. He's like, I want you to come back to my office sometime later. Let's go, let's go to dinner. I want to keep this conversation going. And, and so we did. And it turns out that this guy was really a master of flow, although he didn't call it that. That, that concept wasn't really around in, in the way it is now. Back then, this was a... Uh, you know, about almost 10 years ago now, or mm. eight or nine years ago now. And so we started talking and I got to just like witness somebody who was truly living in peak states of human existence. Somebody who really mastered reality was very successful by conventional means and very, also very accomplished spiritually and just really a master of life. Like if you think of success holistically, like all these different aspects of your life, like, you know, finances, career, alignment with purpose, health relationship really take a holistic view of success he had mastered all of that and not only that but he really was living effortlessly so when he was telling me his story about all these things he had experienced and accomplished and i would coach presidents and people would you know he, he got offers people wanted to pay him 50 million dollars a year to, to do coaching he exclusively worked with billionaires i mean he was a total freak and so when i asked him i was like how do you like how did you create all this and he's like you know i really my, my secret is that i go into my office my meditation room, excuse me, and I meditate for 40 minutes a day and I go through this process and I really hold this intention and da 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 da. And he shared like kind of the way he did it. And I was just like, I want that. <laughs> I was like, that's where it's at. Like, that is how you live. You know, like everybody else is like hustling and grinding and trying to make it happen and burn out and really just trying to piece things together. And he had so obviously hasn't been figured out. And so he mentored me for a couple of years. And then I also just like to be even aware that it was possible to live like that sent me on a journey to really understand the mechanics of it because I kind of have an engineer's mind and I really like to know how things work. And, you know, 
uh, woo explanations of things don't really cut it for me. So I went on this deep journey to really understand, you know, how do you live like this? What are the mechanics? What's the science behind it? You know, how is this happening? So, so that I could go into it deeper. But then that ultimately led me to a place where I understood that and I had mastery over the mechanics of it. And so um, I began to start teaching it and sharing it. And then, you know, as Jackie said, one of my clients she met in New York, and we got together and said, hey, we figured out a lot of the same things on our own. And our sense of humor meshes really well. And that's a deal breaker for us. So <laughs> really it. it really is. So, so why don't we get together and write a book and start speaking for and start an institute and not, you know, the rest is history. So. You talked about this guy was living in, you know, a peak state type thing. How do you describe that state to someone that hasn't maybe experienced it? Yeah. Well, we say that, you know, once you've experienced flow, there's no other way to live. <laughs> so that can kind of encapsulate it. But, and, and we say that humbly too, we're not trying to brag or anything, but really it's a peak state of experience. And that's why it's so desirable. I think it's our natural state. Um, you know, the way that I would describe it is like, imagine if you got to wake up every day, living your purpose, giving your gift to the world, having a positive impact, having beautiful relationships, having financial abundance, financial freedom to do whatever you want, and really just feeling at one with your environment, everyone and everything around you. And not only that, feeling like life is conspiring in your favor, but that you can finally relax into a deep space of trust that you are supported. You don't, you don't have to like live in that constant fear of uncertainty that even billionaires report where they have all the money in the world, but they're still like scared that they can lose it at any moment. Right. So what if you could transcend that and really just trust and feel safe being in your body, just living life on this planet, not only that, but be grounded in, you know, kind of at, at its peak, really, you can be in, in, you know, pretty deep states of bliss and happiness. So now am I saying that I'm there every moment or that Jackie's there or that everybody that's living in flow is there every moment, you know, that's, the ultimate, you know, target. And so we measure things on a percentage scale, you know, really kind of arbitrarily, but you can kind of calibrate to it. So we, we like to say that if you can get even 60 or 70% there, like your life will be amazing. Mm. Um, you know, and if you can get higher than that, and we do know people that are living there and we do, we would consider ourselves to be in that space most of the time. Life gets truly amazing. And you really feel just like everything's inspiring in your favor, which is an awesome thing. And the thing is, most people have experienced it in moments, right? But they don't know how to sustain it. They don't know how to recreate it. So it's like those moments where life feels effortless or even magical, you know, where you're having synchronicities all the time and, you know, you you say something and then it, it shows up or you're manifesting things quickly. And so it's this sense where life is free and easy and you're just feeling like you can create anything and most people have some experience with that or maybe you know even mastery over it in one area of life but not others and and so having an understanding of the mechanics allows them to recreate it yeah and i love that justin you brought up uh, money as well because i imagine that's a common objection or something to flow maybe and i feel myself as well that you know when i've had those peak state moments peak state moments everything's been incredible and, and, and synchronicities and you know, if I just look at my life now and, you know, if I tried to plot this life out five years ago, there's no way I would have ended up here. Yet, you know, when I get challenged financially, that's when I, it's hard for me to keep in flow or keep the faith. Yeah, that happens to a lot of people. You know, it's really easy to constrict when money is tight because money, you know, flow on a certain level is really a path to true freedom. And in our society, money is what most people equate with freedom. Money 
buys you freedom. But that's that's just you know the most base layer, and it's not actually true. Right? Freedom comes yeah. from within. But you know, people find it most challenging often to live in flow when they have when funds are constricted. But ironically, the quickest way out of that scenario is to live in flow. And we actually know people that are really awesome at living in flow who've kind of like transcended money to some degree. And you could even say that they're broke, but yet they live a lifestyle that is like, you know, something you would expect someone with $10 million in, in yearly income to be living. But they're so deeply in flow that they receive abundance in different ways, right? We yeah. can't really think of abundance as money, but abundance is really, you know, the ability or to have the resources that you need to do whatever you want to do or have the resources that will support you in doing whatever you need to do in that given moment, right? And so abundance can come in the form of somebody gifting you a guest room or a free ticket somewhere or whatever, you know, or it can be a, a trade. We're not saying that that's how it has to be. I prefer to use money as leverage than time personally, but at the same time, like that's available to people. And they often, you know, people get themselves in a box and say, I can't do this because I don't have the money. And they immediately shut down their field of possibility from all the different ways that it could happen without them having to use money to, to do it, or from even receiving money or earning the money or whatever to be able to even do that thing. So, you know, that's another layer of it. And a powerful question to ask in that moment is how else could this happen? Right. So we have this thing that we want to do and we think, Oh, I don't have the money. So just asking yourself, how else can this happen invites all of the other possibilities and, and just being aware of what, what your beliefs are around abundance or money and, and seeing where you think, oh, I can't get paid to do what I love or, you know, all of these different stories that we tell ourselves that, you know, are, are just beliefs. Yeah, because we have a limited view of what getting paid looks like as opposed to understanding there's a thousand other combinations of what getting paid to do what you love might look like. You might just not be able to see them yet. Right. Yeah, people people will take like they go, okay, I'm a coach, and so my money comes when clients pay me, right? <laughs> you know, but money can come in many different ways. The more open you are to receiving it, the more available it becomes to you. And that sounds really airy fairy, but literally, like, and this is where we're so an institute because we have to do research in the consciousness, is that literally your beliefs, like we were saying, you can you're willing to will filter out opportunities. They literally because mm-hmm. of the experience of confirmation bias, right? you're literally projecting what you want to see versus actually seeing what's available to you. And so you actually cut yourself off from seeing ways in which you could make more money or it's all around you. Yeah. Sometimes just asking for the thing, right? It's a, you know, so many people, they say, Oh, you know, I, I want to go do this thing. And uh, you know, it's like, just, just ask sometimes, you know, there's, there's a way that you didn't even imagine or volunteer. There's always another path. Yeah, that's a great point, Jackie, because it, the way I hear it as well is that it's a form of control. I want to control how it happens. Yeah. And control is kind of the opposite of flow or surrender, isn't it? So, yeah, if you can if you can give up controlling the how and just be open to that taking care of itself, much so many more combinations of things can come to you. Yeah, I'd like to speak on that too, though, since we're in an organic conversation. The idea of like, because this is subtle, but I think it's important to state, like the idea of control, like flow being the opposite of control. But what I would say is that flow is actually the perfect balance between control and surrender. Flow is like an integration. 
because people sometimes get caught up in the idea that to be in flow, you have to just completely surrender and you let go of everything and you kind of just shoot your sailboat, you know, to use an out metaphor, out into the ocean and the winds will take you wherever they take you. But that's not actually the truth. Like there is a paradox and that, you know, we're constantly dancing between control and surrender all the time. That's the polarity that's uh, available to us. And so we want to use, we want to assert will when it's appropriate to assert will. And we want to relax and let go when it's appropriate to let go. So we want to use the right tool for the job. So running a company like we do, I run multiple companies, you know, just completely surrendering would probably not work super well when you have to manage large teams. If you need some structure, it's beneficial, right? But at the same time, you can have too much structure where then the organization becomes inflexible and it actually limits your capacity. So you need to have what we call dynamic structure. And you can apply that to your life too. And, and, and you know, as we teach the principles, they really allow you to kind of know what lever to pull in any moment so that you always are either using control if that needs to be used or surrendering if that needs to be used too. Yeah, great point. Because I, I think that is, you're right, that's another a common one of, um, do I just... Uh... I don't know, extreme example, do I just sit around at home and just be in flow, waiting for everything to happen to me? But there is a mix of action. Yeah, we, we call it taking inspired action. So living in flow, like just like lying in a hammock all the time and stating your intentions and waiting for things to show up. You're taking inspired action from, from a clear and centered place. And then, you know, you're like Justin said, there's, there's a balance. And so it's, it's knowing how to calibrate to that, that, you know, is the practice. Yeah, totally. There was a really famous um, Silicon Valley uh, VC and angel investor started an angel list that was just posting about this. And he was talking about how to get rich. Um, you know, what's, what's his, what's his codes for, for wealth. And he's extremely well, but the essence of what he was saying is that like, it's really at the end of the day, it's about doing exactly this. It's about inspired action and doing work that you actually enjoy. Like that's the key. That's one of the keys. There's, there's nine core keys to flow, but that's one of the keys is like really like letting your inspiration guide you forward. It's not that you have to hustle and grind to be successful. You don't have to do that. And the idea of hustle and grind only exists because it's like you're doing, it's, it's like or you're doing something that you don't want to be doing to have a ultimately what you want but it's like you, know, you can just go directly for what you want and let that be the path and then it doesn't feel like a hustle and grind then it feels like an adventure you know which is like exactly what you tell people to is like let's make life an adventure you know yeah much more exciting uh i want to circle back to peter's question so peter asks uh i'd be interested on your thoughts on how flow correlates with the chinese concept of dao or Taoism. yeah great question i'd say it's totally in sync with you know, we actually, that's oftentimes how we describe what we do versus flow states is that ours are much more similar to the, what we teach is much more similar to the Taoist concept of Wu Wei, which is right, effortless action, uh, non doing, art of non doing, right? It's a paradox, just like we were just talking about. So I would say, although what we teach is also more than just the Taoist conception of it, but that's a really good way to summarize it quickly. And it is really about, uh, you know, living the Tao, and the Tao Te Ching is a great book. I think that one of the main messages of the Tao Te Ching personally is, is integration. It's always talking about the opposites and you go, which one, which side, which side, but the, it's the balance point. Exactly. The what they're trying to say is you need both, you know, it's like both of these things are required for you to enter into the Tao or to become the Tao, whatever, however you want to conceptualize it. So that's what we teach in flow is that integration is super important. A lot of people like to go, 
it's really, you know, hot in the conscious community now to be like, oh, the heart, we have to shift into the heart, we have to shift into the heart. It's like, great. Most people are imbalanced towards the head. So yes, we do need more heart. The same with masculine and feminine. There's, you know, so many people doing men's work and women's work, but where's the integration? And that's, you know, a conversation that we were just having last week. And um, so anytime you're getting stuck in the polarity, you're not in, in the integration, which is the most important piece. Yeah. So like, yes, most people need balance in terms of the heart, but what you really want is the best of the heart and the best of the mind, because that's when you're able to have full capacity. Because if you just go into the heart, you lose a lot of the, uh, the brilliance that the mental plane brings and you, lot of, you lose a lot of that brilliance. And we would even argue that you want to take both and upshift into intuition, which is even the next level of capacity above uh, just having the heart and the mind as your, as your uh, guides to life. So, yeah, it's a, a concept. I'm sure you teach a lot about this in the courses you do, but uh, for me in my coaching, it's about range. So if someone's all in the mind, okay, maybe we want to live in the heart for a few months and see how that feels and see what comes up. But ultimately the middle path is the, the place you want to end up. Yeah. It's getting the pendulum to swing in the opposite direction. So we, we have a principle that's doing the opposite of what you'd normally do to help bring that back into balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The opposite of what you normally do, seeking balance. <laughs> seeking balance. So you can get pretty, you can go pretty wide would do the opposite of what you normally <laughs> do, which is cool. You know, it's, it's going to be an adventure for sure, but you can get yourself into some sticky places as well. So it was like, tell people, use that one with the other principles. Yeah. It's always, I always love too, when you do that, just the unexpected things that come up, which is kind of why you do it, right? Because we have a belief of, oh, if I live too much in my heart, then dot, dot, dot. Uh, if I live too much uh, in flow, then dot, dot, dot. And it's like, well, okay, let's, let's experience that for, two weeks, three weeks, a month, two months, and then see, and then to notice all the unexpected things that come up that challenge that belief. Totally. Yeah. I, and, and it's really too about, you know, and as, as a, a master coach, I'm sure you, you know, this is really about, it's not staying in your comfort zone. Uh, a, a friend and mentor and advisor on our board talks about this idea of the growth edge that you want to kind of be within a few degrees of your growth edge, you know, before it or after it at any given time, because if not, then you end up stagnant, you know, and then your life tends to start to go, you know, straight instead of up. Like one thing that is present in all of nature is, you know, constant evolution, constant change, right? And so flow on one level, you know, to come back to the the Taoist conception of it is really, we can learn flow by studying nature, studying the natural world. And so, you know, change is really one of the only constants. And so if we're embracing that, doing the opposite of what we're, we normally do is going to keep us kind of self-reflecting and not, you know, letting ourselves hide from the truth that we may need to transcend something that we've been in for a while. Love it. So uh, Sherry Hollander says, for me, wonderment that it is all really happening for me. I trust that I'm always supported even when it doesn't look like that. Thank you, Justin, for coaching me and realigning my point of view during a dislocated time in her life. Yeah, it's such a powerful perspective shift that really life, all life is happening for your growth and evolution, even the things that don't seem to be going well. And that's, you know, there's another misconception about living in flow is that it's all rainbows and unicorns and that you never encounter any tough times or challenges. Justin gave a few examples of like, you know, this guy lives in flow and now he's a multimillionaire, but it's not necessarily always that. Yeah, well, it's even, um, you know, so how we were saying how we came together was because I ended up in the hospital 
And that was a really difficult time for me. It was one of the most painful things I've ever been through. A scary time because I was in a new city. I didn't know what was going on with my body. They put me in those big donut CAT scan machines. So it was it was pretty scary. And in that moment, you know, I had to really come back to what I know to be true is that, you know, there's there's a bigger purpose for for everything. And sometimes we can't see it. And so knowing that, you know, helped me get through it and uh, with a sense of humor, even don't have an abdominal infection around Justin though, because he made me laugh too much and it was painful. But um, it's always having a good sense of humor. That all of the things that are happening to us, there's there's a reason or there's a gift in it. And that needed to happen in order for Justin and I to spend time together. So that allows you to have a different perception of your challenges, of your struggles, of the things that aren't going well in your life, or even the things that you don't love about yourself. You know, even your your shadow and these parts of yourself that you want to change are often your superpowers. So it's just shifting your perception around that and finding the gift in it. It can be so powerful. Yeah, I love that. And one thing I've noticed lately as well is that it can, sometimes it doesn't help to try and figure out what the reason is. So, you know, I I love the belief that everything's happening, you know, for a reason bigger than me, you know, that maybe I can't understand that I notice some of my clients will go, well, I think the reason is this. I think this is why it's happening. And I think that can become just another form of, well, control or, or trying to figure it out. I love the, uh, the Steve Jobs quote from his, his that commencement speech is we can only connect the dots looking backwards. Yeah. Uh, so I think it is, although it can be an interesting conversation to try and say, hey, I got, you know, an appendix infection. I think it's because God wanted me to meet Justin or whatever, but it's not necessary to try and figure out what the reason was. Just use the belief and flow with it. Yeah. And, and sometimes you never find out and sometimes you do when it's further down the road, but just trusting in that. That radical trust is a complete game changer. Yeah, radical trust. I love that. And uh, Jason says, inspired action. Love it. Uh, Brett Francisco says, fantastic conversation. Thank you, guys. If you've got any more comments or questions for Justin and Jackie, we've got a few more minutes with them, so fire out any more questions you might have around this. Justin, you touched on something that I find interesting too, is how do you bring this concept to business? I know you guys work with entrepreneurs and businesses a lot, so how do you translate flow consciousness to business? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And that's, that's one of the areas that's really fun to play in, in part because it's the most challenging. I mean, there's definitely, you know, key things that are really important, but, you know, on one level, there's, there's principles uh, that apply in all sorts of situations. And that's like the foundation of the flow. So those, those just translate into business in somewhat nuanced ways. But there's another layer in business too, which is like kind of, and this is like what I was talking to at the beginning, which is that flow is like an individual experience. It doesn't require you to lose your uniqueness. Every organization is different. We're in different markets. We're serving different customer bases. Some are C, some are B, you know, and so on and so forth. So there's also a customization element to you of tailoring the flow strategy to what works in your business and the personalities that are, you know, in leadership and so on and so forth. But beyond that, besides all of that, what I would say is that one of the key access points for flow in business on a lot of different levels is really intuition and really learning how to use intuition as the driving force in your organization versus ways that it's been taught, which are very rigid and in the box. And, you know, they've been successful 
in a lot of ways, but they've also been successful in destroying the planet and so on and so forth. So, you know, there's a new era emerging. And I love that you mentioned Steve Jobs just a minute ago because he's such a vocal proponent of intuition, as are many, many very, very successful and influential and impactful people. In fact, I was just making a list of all of them this morning because we're just ready to publish more research and stuff like that. So billionaire Naveen Jain. Yeah, I got to ask him at a mastermind whether, you know, where he falls on the spectrum of, in his decision making, if he uses more intuition or more strategy or, or rational mind and he said a hundred percent intuition wow closes his eyes and and feels into whether it's something he should do or not do and you know that's exactly how we operate and you know so often when we're operating from our rational minds we're limited to you know oh you know so and so says to scale my business to nine figures i have to do it you know through this particular way and we get locked into a box of thinking this is the only way it can happen and we're like reading uh richard branson's autobiography and then doing everything he does but you're not richard branson and you know so you can benefit from learning from other people but not getting locked into a rigid structure if it has to be this way and really tuning into what is the way that feels most aligned for you right that's, and that's one of the cool things about studying with my first mentor was that I got to watch someone build a thriving business. And, you know, that was just, he was coaching, was just one of the things he did. He was also a consultant for all the top universities in California and ran training programs all over the place and a speaker and all kinds of stuff. And so it was like, you know, I got to watch someone break every traditional business rule and still be wildly successful. And I've had the pleasure of seeing that happen many times in my life. And so what I've learned is that, you know, you don't have to play by the rules. So it's really, there's a million ways to create a billion dollars, billions of ways to create billions of dollars, trillions of dollars. It's really, you know, you designing uh, what's right for you. And more than that even is, is really listening to your intuition and using the right tool for the job in the, in the moment and not being rigidly attached to something. So there's, I think that's the next frontier in business. And there's a lot of people that are on the cutting edge that are saying that. And I think we're going to start to see you know, hopefully as our work moves more out into the world, more of that. And also a next, the next generation, the next wave of businesses that are, you know, social impact, uh, for profit, for human good, you know, think, having seven generations thinking and really, you know, considering what's best for all life, being driven by intuition. Because when you really listen to intuition strongly, it's hard not to do something that's moving the needle forward for humanity. So. I love that. So, yeah, intuition is a common theme in what you're saying. I like, Derek Sivers has a great quote where he says, you know, when you create a business, it's your opportunity to create your own personal utopia. You know, there are no rules. You get to create a business around what you love and what you believe. And uh, the other thing he says is that many businesses are just trying to impress an invisible panel of Harvard MBAs. Right. <laughs> We're trying to just do it, follow the rules, trying to do it right and have a CEO and have this corporate structure, but it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. And, and you know, um, what's funny about that too, is like, I would even say that people are just trying to impress where people are at. Like, you know, up until, uh, well, actually Bezos has, is the richest man, but Amazon's not the richest company. Apple still holds that position. And what Steve Jobs did was he actually overshot people's expectations by a large margin to get there. So a lot of common business knowledge is trying to tell you, meet your, you know, cater to your customers' needs and wants, you know, give them exactly what they want, just ask them what they want. But it's like, if you ask 
the majority of humanity what it wants. Humanity doesn't really know what it wants. It doesn't necessarily know what's best for it. AKA the reason why we're, you know, potentially facing wide scale, uh, large scale climate change and destruction and we're poisoning the planet. Like if we knew it was best for ourselves and we were doing it, then we might have a very different reality. So the point is, is that like, you know, you need to a lot of times be out in front of the curve, right? To really like develop a, a truly successful bit, especially in this day and age, like, you need to be innovating. You need to be ahead of where people are at and see where people are going. So it's very hard to do that if you're only making data-driven decisions and you're pandering to where people are at. You actually really have to tap into that field of intuition and the unknown and pull your ideas from, you know, the future, which sounds crazy, yeah, but mean, it's actually but very that's, doable. That's yeah. where all innovation comes from, are, you know, these things that that are not linear and, you know, are so inconceivable. It's Those are the greatest ideas, so the ones that just seem so impossible, these moonshots, but that's what really moves the needle. Yeah, totally. They're just they're just in that field of infinite possibilities, you know, and that's where greatest companies are being birthed these days. So, yeah, I've read recently that you know, yeah, your business, like you said, Justin, it still needs a structure. You still need to have a plan out in front of you. There's, there's people that rely on you, but this should be a part of your business, a division, a percentage of your profit that is dedicated to just wild moonshot, random ideas based on intuition. <laughs> you know, we're, we've got like three minutes left. So that's, that's a whole, you know, I wouldn't exactly say that. It's more about having a fluid structure for your business. We definitely want to incubate innovative ideas and stuff like that. But, you know, if you're in the plumbing business or you're in the sponge manufacturing business or whatever it is, you know, like great it, business. Yeah. It's not necessarily going to be like what we would conceive of as like as sexy as Tesla or, you know, or social. Yeah. But in its own way, yes, you want to kind of. There, there's a way to do it where you're letting your intuition make the decisions and, and letting that guide you. And you can still use data. Again, it's always about integration. That is awesome. There's a lot of great things that have been developed over the last you know, few hundred years and how businesses can run efficiently. That's all great. You don't need to leave that behind. But it's really about you know, using intuition as your compass versus using the rational log of the mind. Yeah, and not yeah. getting attached to that rigid structure or... Yeah the way that you're doing something because so many people think oh well i started doing it this way and now i have to continue with that because i invested time energy resources you know all of this and if it's not working and your intuition is telling you to do something else like you follow that but people mm -hmm. get locked into doing things that they they started and a structure that they created you know whether it's working or not so it's not being attached to that. I have a million more questions, but I'm going to stop. Um, <laughs> if people want to work with you, I know you guys have a bunch of different ways people can work with you. In a, a mastermind sense, you do a lot of speaking and events. You also have online courses. But if people want to learn more, or if they want to bring this into their business or into their lives, what's the best way to find you guys? Yeah, so we have kind of two access points right now that are the best way to go about it. Um, so we do run like an ongoing flow training program that people can enroll in anytime. It's an online evergreen group training program. Um, and uh, you've got, I think, flow consciousness on the screen. You can find it through there. Um, there's links on our homepage to go check it out. We're also launching a brand new uh, in-depth masterclass training. It's going to take, and this is kind of really just a service level. We're going to do a really focused deep dive into like some of the core fundamentals of uh, living in flow, and that's free. And so you can sign up there at flowconsciousnessinstitute.com and find out about the programs if you want to jump in and get started right away. Yeah, it's really deep and nuanced. So to get into it in such a short time is challenging. Uh, but in the masterclass, we'll, we'll go really deep into it.
Yeah, that's cool. I think it's given us a nice little taster, but you can also see, you know, what the benefit would be of working one-on-one with you guys and being able to, you know, be followed over a period of time to try and help guide someone through this in, in their business. Very, very cool. Oh, thank you guys. So uh, we've got one minute. So the last question is uh, around your dark side, crowd favorite. How do you relate to a dark side? Do you have one and how do you embrace it? Maybe one minute each. My dark side. <laughs> um, I, it can be really sarcastic. It mostly comes out around Justin and we turn into like five-year-old siblings around each other. Uh, and sometimes we take it a little too far. So there's uh, some playful jabs. Uh, yeah. I also have some art. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, okay. um, Justin is my muse, and I make these funny side-by-sides with him, and sometimes not so flattering. Yeah. Famous sister. <laughs> Other people have fallen under her ire with that, too. I know. I've actually not gotten most of it. I now have apprentices yeah. who um, have taken it up as well. So... You're passing on your dark side. Yes. Yeah, she's like, I, she's like the, empire, yeah, the empire in Star Wars, was it? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for me, it's uh, my dark side. What was I going to say? How do I relate to it? Um, so, like, I think this is part of also, you know, collapsing the duality around the dark side. Mm-hmm. Bad, but, you know, whereas I see it, like, these days, especially, like, before I used to be afraid of it you know, and it was like scared the shit out of me. And every time I'd go there, I feel really intense emotions. And I, that's why I started you know, using drugs is because I was like, oh, I don't like what I'm feeling. You know? But now for me, I actually get excited about, you know, what would be considered shadow work or the dark side, right? Like, is that for me, it's like the path to freedom and to embrace that and to see like these limiting beliefs or these old patterns or, you know, if I get angry at somebody or get in a fight with my girlfriend or whatever, like, like what is trying to resolve itself? What is trying to, to let go? And I even, and, and, and I also laugh about it too, because I truly sit in that place and everything is perfect. So even when I do get upset or angry or whatever, like there's, you know, obviously I don't want to do like any harm to another person. So I'll apologize when that's appropriate, of course, and I'll try and make amends. But at the same time, like I also embrace the perfection of it. And that, you know, sometimes people get pissed off and, you know, Jesus got mad and broke tables and stuff. And so, you know, if he if Jesus is having a hard time maintaining it 100, percent I think we can all kind of chill out a little bit and ourselves. You know, and that's a big part of what we teach is really diving into those uh, shadow emotions and things that we we don't want to acknowledge are there because that is really where the freedom is. And you know, the more you're willing to go into the darkness, the more of the light that you get to experience, and that expands your range, and you get to play in a broader spectrum. So. Yeah, I love that. So it's looking at it in terms of it's an opportunity. So it's, uh, you know, when you get angry or when you're triggered, that's an opportunity to look. It's a new place to look. Totally. Exactly. Beautiful. Hey, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I, you know, I love this conversation. I could keep going on and on, but I think you guys are really at the cutting edge of something that's long overdue and especially bringing this to uh, to business and using business as a vehicle for good. So uh, thank you for sharing it. I hope lots of people uh, reach out to you and, and dive into this work because it's so valuable. Thanks so much for having us yes. and hope to see you in New York next week. Absolutely. Yeah. See you in New York next week. Brilliant. Thank you guys. Awesome. 
Thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, as always, thanks uh, for tuning in. If you think someone will enjoy this, uh, I think it's a great message. I think it's really valuable stuff, what we're talking about. So if you think someone will enjoy this, share it around, send it to them, and uh, I'll be grateful forever. So thank you so much. Check out Jackie and Justin's website, flowconsciousinstitute.com. And until then, I'll be back next week with episode number 61 of The Nathan Seward Show. That was The Nathan Seward Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life.